Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In this episode of Pop Culture Weekly, I talk with Dita Von Tees and then Judah the Lion. Let's go. Welcome to Pop Culture Weekly with Kyle McMahon from iHeartRadio. Your pop culture news, views, reviews, and celebrity interviews on all the movies, TV, music, and pop culture you crave weekly. Here's Kyle McMahon. Hello, and welcome to episode 83 of Pop Culture Weekly with Kyle McMahon. I, of course, am Kyle McMahon, and, you know, wow, there's just so much awesome stuff going on that I love. I am still on a high from Firefly. I am still on a high from talking to Diane Warren, the freaking legendary songwriter. I mean, she's been one of my song one of my songwriters. She's been one of my favorite songwriters of all time since I was a kid. She's one of the greatest, you know, uh, songwriters of all time, one of the uh, best-selling, one of the most awarded. I mean, she is literally in a very exclusive club. And uh, and she's freaking awesome. So in this week's episode, I am talking to Judah and the Lion, who <laughs> you guys saw the video up, uh, you know, the video interview. And this interview was promoted to come out on the Firefly episode. And then it didn't. I mean, it was everywhere else, but it wasn't actually on the audio, wasn't actually on the episode. So I talked to Judah Akers all about Judah and the Lion. You know, he has a very interesting story. And he started out actually as an athlete at Belmont University in Nashville. Well, I'll let him tell it. But he is awesome. I love the band. I love him. He puts on, the band puts on a hell of a show. So I'm really excited for you to hear this interview officially on uh, on Pop Culture Weekly. And of course... I talked to Dita Van Tees. She, as you know, is, I would say, single-handedly responsible for bringing a renaissance of burlesque. That's why she is known as the queen of burlesque. And she has a very, very, very cool special that uh, I talked about when the video interview came out. And she's doing a tour and just a whole bunch of awesome stuff. And she knows how to put on a show. So uh, she was also just on The Masked Dancer, and uh, she's just got a lot of stuff going on. She's a really cool person, an amazing artist, and I am so excited to talk to her. So let's start with Dita herself. Here it is, Dita Von Teese. I am here with the one and only Dita Von Tees on iHeartRadio's Pop Culture Weekly. Thank you so much for speaking with me. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. 
So you have a very special project that is coming up uh, this coming weekend called mm -hmm. Night of the Tease. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, well, we filmed it earlier this year and uh, I always wanted to do, you know, I had a lot of people asking me about doing online shows during the pandemic and I was a little bit like, yeah, it's kind of hard to capture the feeling of being at part of being at a live show and but I still liked the idea so eventually I was able to put the pieces together and align with Drift who's producing it um, they did this before there was a pandemic so they know what they're doing and then to have Quinn Wilson as director was really uh, a big selling point for me because having her perspective on burlesque and her ideas about bringing the viewer onto the stage and backstage that was really appealing to me when it came to filming the show yeah the the teaser for it looks absolutely incredible i'm really looking forward oh. to to the special and why was it important so you flew um all of the performers out to be in la at the orpheum i believe right mm -hmm. yeah and so why was that important for you to bring them well, all I there I had some parameters, you know, we couldn't bring any of the, my favorite performers that are in my show that are, um, you know, from Australia, for instance, or from other places in the world. So there were, there were some restrictions and ultimately it was hard to decide who to put in this, this um, show. Uh, so I really kind of presented Quinn, the director with some of my favorite people that were possible to, to bring. And um and, and we both, I think Quinn and I were just like, there's so much we want to film and so many amazing burlesque performers. We've got to make this a success so that we can um, make it a series, you know, because there's so much more to explore in the burlesque community. There's so many performers um, from, you know, so many different types of performers that I really want to shine the spotlight on them. Um, so it was hard to choose, you know. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. And, you know, with this show, you have been, I mean, for ever, you have been, you know, since you have kind of burst onto the scene, you have been a uh, at the forefront of burlesque and, in my opinion, have really um, made it something that people talk about commonly, where, you know, at, at least for me, that wasn't something really mainstream that I knew of um, before you came and brought that awareness. Was that always your goal to do that? Or were you just doing you and whatever happened, happened? Yeah, I mean, a little bit of both. I think when I first started out in the 90s, you know, I was a Playboy model. I had a very different demographic. And I think it wasn't really until like, I came out with my first book in the early 2000s and like 2002 and um, where I expressed uh, in my book, told my story about why burlesque and what it means to me and what glamour means to me and how I look to icons of beauty of the past because I felt like there weren't any like modern role models of beauty that I could really imitate, you know, cause like I grew up, I grew up in the eighties and, and, and nineties and it was the era of the supermodel and it was mm -hmm. so, I just couldn't see any parallels I had with, you know, these, the, the supermodels of those days. So that's why I looked to the, you know, women of the forties and fifties as beauty icons, because I knew I could kind of like craft a mystique and, you know, I'm a natural blonde from a farming town in Michigan. And I learned how to create 
glamour for myself. Right. So when I talked about that in my book, I think it resonated with a lot of other people that felt like, okay, yes, I don't have to apologize that I love to wear cat eye eyeliner and red lipstick and, you know, I can have my hair whatever color I want it to be. And, and artifice should not be just dismissed as something that's not, you know, valued. It is artistic expression. I feel like, you know, I am my own like art project, you know, <laughs> like I, I'm, you know, pretty, very, you know, ordinary looking person underneath the, all the makeup. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I think when I told that story, I had, it changed my fan base a lot. And I had a lot more women and a big LGBTQIA following after that. And in the, in the, in the, you know, years after that. So that kind of gave me a lot more, a lot of fuel to want to do more and to also like not just think about what I'm doing in the show or what I represent, but you know, how can I um, change people's minds about burlesque and stripping and strippers and striptease? Like, how do we make it aspirational for people? Well, that's, you know, sh showing lots of as many different kinds of performers as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think that feels empowering for, for some people. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, it, it's, it, that's the thing in particular that uh, I think is so important with this project is that it's not just you and obviously you're amazing, but like you right. said, you know, you're shining a light that um, it's not, you may be the face of it, uh, but there are many varied people with varied bodies from varied backgrounds that uh, are involved in this as well which is going to inspire people that may look more like them to yeah uh, that's to get exactly involved. it but there's still obviously you know listen it would be a you know a, a week-long event if i were really able to show all of the facets <laughs> right. of her life you know i right. wish in my dreams i can really like show everyone that i love and admire and you know or even those that i don't you know just right. like <laughs> you know like all the 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 different um, types of burlesque performers, but, you know, we're starting here and, you know, I just never claim to be like, oh, it's a generalization. Everybody's like this. There's not, you know, it's, right. I'd, we, we, we put together some of my most show-stopping performers that were in LA and a couple from New York. And um, I hope people like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they will. I think it's so awesome. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it. What can we expect from you after the special? Um, well, I'm here in France doing con competing on Dancing with the Stars, which I love. I'm having so much fun. Um, so that's like my my main thing that I'm focused on. I came here thinking, oh, you know, I just want to like, you know, do well and do my best. Now I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm here to win this thing. You know? <laughs> I'm really like loving it and having the best time and overcoming my own fears of um, dance. You know, I grew up like. A taking ballet classes in rinky dink ballet schools in the Midwest and I was never a good ballerina and I have like fear of auditions and fear of learning choreography and have told myself for decades that I can't really dance and that's why I became a burlesque performer and this has been my moment to really overcome all of those like fears and prove to myself that I can do this and come out of it with more confidence than before so stay tuned also for the ballroom dance striptease acts I'll be working <laughs> on that after all this training <laughs> I love it I'll be rooting for you and uh this weekend on demand well, well live uh, premiere and then on demand for 48 hours night of the tease 
Thank yeah. you, Dita, so Thank much. Thank you. Ooh, one more thing. Sure. We are hoping to be live at the Orpheum for New Year's Eve. You know, I traditionally do New Year's Eve at the Orpheum, which is where the, the cinematic specialist film. So we're hoping we're going to be in the room this year. And then also I have like a huge U Europe and UK tour from that starts in February. So I'll be at Folie Berger, Opera Garnier and Monte Carlo, all over the UK, include, including the London Palladium. Awesome. So, and are you coming or then are you going to bring that tour back to the States? Um, I'm not sure. You know, we were trying to do the show in the States, um, but, you know, everyone's all the artists that got can't had their sorry, I have a cat to wrangle. Um, oh, you're totally good. All of, all of the all of the um, the people, you know, all the it's sorry. Oh, my God. What am I trying to say? I'm just distracted by cats. Um, <laughs> to say that, you know, it's been difficult to piece together a new tour because all of the artists that got canceled mm -hmm. in 2020 are, you know, jumped, you know, got all the dates. And so it's very, very hard for artists to schedule a new tour very quickly. So, yeah, but yeah. I hope. Yeah. And we'll be, uh, we'll be waiting for that announcement when it comes in the meantime, we have dancing with, we have the special this weekend, we have dancing with the stars coming up and then, mm -hmm. uh, new year's Eve and then your, um, your, uh, Europe tour. Big tour. Yeah. Europe and the UK. Awesome. I'm in dancing with stars in France. I know people, but everyone figures out ways to watch it anyway, but right. absolutely, um, you know, <laughs> absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank Dita. You. I really appreciate Thank you. it. Nice talking to you. You as well. Bye. Bye. Isn't she awesome? She's so talented and she's got so much going on. And uh, she really just became herself and carved a niche for herself and tore the freaking rule book up and good for her. She's so awesome. And you can keep up with her at Dita Vontis on social or her website, which is Dita. Dot net. I love that website, Dita.net. So you can get all of her um, everything, the tour, stuff about her brands, the burlesque, uh, her shows, all kinds of good stuff up on Dita.net. All right. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, we talk with Judah and the Lion. This is the audio interview from Firefly that I'm really excited. Oh my goodness, excuse me. If you have not heard it yet, or I'm sorry, I didn't see it yet because the video interview has been up on, you know, the usual channels. So here it is, my interview with Judah Akers of Judah and the Lion. All right, iHeartRadio's Pop Culture Weekly with Kyle McMahon. I'm here live at Firefly Festival with none other than Judah of Judah and the Lion. How are you, man? What up, dude? Stoked to be here. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. So the last year and a half has been a little bit crazy. How have you guys been dealing with it? Man, we yeah, we were just talking about this. This is our first show back. So we're we're super excited to be in this festival atmosphere. It's obviously been something we've been dreaming about for a year and a half. Uh, you know, 
pre-pandemic we were doing 200 shows you know a year and kind of living out and so this this last year um obviously it's been pretty bitter more than sweet um but it has been time for us to kind of read um focus on our families and we uh all of us are married and so kind of i don't know recultivate some of those relationships and like walk the dog and do some stuff and find some mental health and um yeah so it's been amazing obviously been writing a whole lot um the pandemic has been great for creativity I, I believe um, that we're going to see it especially kind of hopefully moving forward out of it but yeah it's been awesome that's awesome and just to go back for a moment so you guys you you met in at Belmont University you were an athlete right yeah I played college baseball so so what brought you from baseball to it's you know it's kind of a 180 or 360 or whatever it is well, it's interesting. So I, I grew up, uh, my family's on my uh, mom's side is very musical. And, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of grew up doing both, like being in choir and also playing baseball and basketball. Um, I love kind of the chaos of all that, um, especially in, you know, at Belmont, it's kind of known for its music, right. not necessarily its baseball. Right. Um, but to have my a- athletic jock friends and like more of my creative music friends, um, I always just love kind of the both. You kind of get, have a unique perspective you know on things so yeah I, I love that and you know I mean it's I was talking to Blake Griffin and um, I was kind of busting his chops because he always is frustrated when people say you know because he, he does comedy like you know he's a really funny guy and he actually interned while he was in the NBA he interned at funny or die just to like learn about the comedy business and all that sort of thing so I was busting his chops uh, the first time I interviewed him and I was like you know I mean I, I gotta say I never thought that you know you'd be so funny because you're tall you know and and he, he got it thank God because he has like a weird sense of humor like I do but people don't realize you know artists musicians athletes are multifaceted people and you know it's it's not just oh I'm just a baseball player oh I'm just a musician you know and uh, so I think it's cool that that's something you've ac- actually talked about I just don't hear a lot of artists be like oh yeah like I, I I'm none that I can think of off the top of my head any that have been you know um, successful and I've talked about like a college career like that so I just thought that was cool yeah. thanks yeah it's kind of crazy too it's like I go back and, uh, you know, when we were kind of coming up, all the baseball guys kind of loved all of my more, like, emotional songs. Like, you know, <laughs> kind of get them to open up a little bit. And so that stereotype for baseball players being these, like, right. macho whatever, it's yeah. like we're all people doing this thing called life, which is obviously this last year and a half has proven to be difficult at times. So finding your identity within, you know, who you are and what you believe is, is way more important than being an artist or a good radio host or, you know, whatever. It's like... You are Kyle, not Kyle the radio host, you know. Right, right. So, yeah, it's been really, really important to see. Thanks for saying that. Yeah, I, I appreciate your answer. And in regards to your music, you know, you have a very uh, eclectic style, speaking of, you know, different interests and stuff. In fact, your album, uh, you know, the uh, I guess two albums ago, you know, kind of straddled. It was folky, but bluegrassy, but also had like a little bit of hip hop swagger in that. Does that represent you and the band as as people and artists? Is was that something conscious? Is that just something that comes natural? Yeah, it just came really natural. Um, you know, when when we first started out, we were a three piece, and uh, that was kind of like right when Mumford and the Luminaires were kind of popping out. And um, and I honestly didn't listen to that style of music. 
I listened to like rock music um, and, and hip hop. If I was in my dad's car, my basketball boys would listen to hip hop. You know, 50 Cent, Eminem, Paul Wall, obviously, you know, Kendrick and um, Jay, and all, you know, all, all the all the good ones. But in my mom's car, it was more like the classic rock, like Tom Petty and Ario Speedwagon, REM, Queen. And so for us, like. We kind of got stuck with these, not stuck, but in a beautiful way, got stuck with these, you know, a banjo and a mandolin and acoustic. And we wanted to make music that was outside of kind of what Mufford and the Lumineers were doing and that proved to be a little bit more genuine. We, we spent like the first eight years in a van and realized really quickly, like all of our influences were like Nate, you know, he was super into EDM, Brian super into classical. I was in my hip hop and um, rock and kind of anthemic stuff. And so you bring all that stuff together. It's kind of like, you get what you get. Yeah, 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 and um, and you know, it's it's one of the things I love about you guys is that you know eclectic mix that that you know makes like a perfect soup, if you will, of of great art. So, well, some some people think the mix is a little bit too much. So I'm glad that you said it's a perfect soup. <laughs> I, I love it, and you know, the another thing that I love on your so you guys recently did an unplugged album, and you covered Sheryl Crow, "Soak Up the Sun," which one? First of all, Sheryl Crow is amazing. Second that song is amazing the harmonies why, why did you pick that one well you know we our last record um, is it was a bit heavy it's you know it's based a lot of our kind of culture and the people that really connect with our story is um, you know it's kind of heavy it can be um, the topics even coming to our show I think sometimes can be emotional and just during the season like we've we've been writing obviously getting ready for this new record and um, it's light and hopeful and uh, we were like, man, I just like going to the lake with my dogs and putting on Sheryl Crow. And so we were like, I think the world needs a, you know, a Sheryl Crow cover. Yeah. Uh, and then she like messaged us and it was like this insane thing. I was like, oh my gosh, my like childhood, like, yeah. you know, uh, version of myself is like beaming. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. She's an incredible songwriter herself, you know. She's, in my opinion, she's a very underrated songwriter. I mean, she's made such, you know, I just love her as a songwriter, as an artist altogether, but especially as a songwriter. And, you know, Bono said it the best. It's like, it's so e it's easier to make a good song that's sad, but it's really hard to make a happy song that's good. And she navigates that super well. It's what we try to do, you know, with our music. And, yeah, it's really beautiful. Love her story. Yeah, me as well. And so your upcoming record, tell me about that. What can we expect? Are we looking at a tour after that? You know, g give me all the goods. Yeah, so, yeah, full-on record coming um, probably. Uh, we actually, I got, got to write for this, this new Netflix movie called The Starling uh, that came out yesterday. Uh, that song will officially be coming out next month uh, for us, which is kind of steering into this next chapter for this next record, so. Uh, I want to say it's the best music we've ever written. I know that's kind of cliche for an artist to say, like the, the, the most recent thing is the best thing, but we're really proud of the record that we're making. Um, we've had a lot of time, obviously, and for us being on the road, usually we don't have this much time, so it's been really nice for us to be like, honestly, for me, um, I'm horrible at patience, but we're kind of going at this pace, and we really believe that what we're, what we're making is going to be really beautiful for the world. So excited about it, and then, of course, uh, full-on touring next year. Um, hoping that you know crowds feel safe and all that all the jargon but um yeah we're really excited about it awesome and in the meantime you guys are gonna kill your set right here at firefly you excited i'm like i was just i was just telling brian i'm like i haven't been nervous in a, like a long time usually this is kind of like 
a part of you know doing 200 shows you kind of get not not in like going through the motions but you know you're kind of like used to the feeling but like we, we played this festival three years ago and the crowd back then was electric and now we have the five o'clock stage in the main on the main stage it's gonna be so sick i can't wait yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much for talking with me, man. Can't wait till the new album comes out and can't wait to see you in a little while right here at Firefly. Thanks for talking to me on iHeartRadio's Pop Culture Weekly. Thanks so much, Kyle. Thank you, brother. Such a great guy. So talented. They put on a hell of a show and they played the main stage at Firefly, and uh, wow, they deserve that main stage spot because it's just high energy, great music, great vibe. Everybody was having a good time, singing along, and I now miss Firefly again. (laughs) All right, guys, that is it for this episode. Thank you for hanging with me. Next week, we have a very, 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 very special guest, Actually, two of them to celebrate Halloween, hint, hint. So hit me up if you think you know who it is, one of them, either of them, any of them, both of them, whatever. All right. I will see you next week. I love you. We out. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Weekly. Hear all the latest at popcultureweekly.com. I want to be a burlesque dancer. And do my shimmy shimmy for you. I want to be a burlesque dancer. Do you want to see me too? Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.